This is a Color Pencil Podcast, session number 229. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hey there, my name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com, and I'm joined once again this week by Barb Soduropoulos, and we're continuing our discussion that we started last week, so if you haven't heard that podcast episode yet, I encourage you to go back and take a listen to that, number 228. We're continuing the discussion today, the right way to draw. Pen does force you to do that, and that's one thing that I've really loved about that. Now, some of you may know this, but I do caricatures from time to time. When I've done caricatures, uh, you talk about forcing you to live with your mistakes. You you, don't, you just don't have the option of, you know, drawing something out and then trying to figure out how to, um, you know, make that better. I mean, you, you're using a, a marker, and so it's a black marker most of the time. It's not that big a deal to start over if it's very early on, but say you're at the end of the seven-minute mark or whatever, you usually try to keep a caricature around five to seven, eight minutes, something like that, and then you've got a long line. If you're towards the end of it and you feel like you made a mistake, you're going to have to try to compensate and make up for that mistake and figure out how to make it work. I think those are good things to do. By comparison to colored pencil, it's a little bit different. So let's turn our attention then over to colored pencil then what is it that makes this medium so different from all of these others there are some similarities i would say with some of these but when we're talking about graphite then we're talking about something that and you can always tell if especially if it's a younger person who's used to graphite and maybe they try to smudge graphite with their fingers Um, don't do that, by the way, that's just, it's something that just doesn't work all that well. Plus you're getting the oils on your hands on your artwork and it's just not a good thing. I don't think to do, um, if you do like that smudged kind of look, use some tools to do that, you know, use, um, a cotton swab or use a tortillion, uh, a paper stump or something like that. I don't really prefer that look myself. There's nothing wrong with doing it. I, I, I just don't like that. As much, uh, you can also use a paintbrush, do a little bit of graphite transferring that way, smudging it or moving it around. Or you could use powdered graphite uh, if you're wanting to get something done quickly in an area, something like that. But for the most part, there's there is a different look to graphite whenever you're using just the pencils themselves on the paper. If you're making that comparison, then to colored pencil you're not able by and large for the most part and there's a couple of few minor exceptions you're not able to smudge colored pencil you you cannot just take the dry medium and start smudging it around 
what I think is interesting about colored pencil, like you were saying, is that it isn't blendable that way or it's smudgeable. Um, it's blendable when you're doing very deliberate things to blend it, but just by virtue of touching it, it's not going to smudge, which I think, um, you know, it, it, it's really great for people who don't like that about pastel and charcoal. Like if you feel um, it's too delicate of a medium or those two mediums are too delicate that way, or that, you know, maybe, maybe you're a little too heavy handed. A colored pencil is more forgiving that way and that um, you have to do very deliberate things to, to blend it or smudge it as opposed to, and, and which in, in that sense, it gives you more control. Um, then, you know, something that potentially if you, if you accidentally bump it is going to smear, which is, which is, you know, kind of nice again, if, if you want that from, from the medium you're working in. So what are some of the hallmarks then, the, some of the defining characteristics of colored pencil? I think we talked probably long enough about how other mediums differ, other drawing mediums differ from colored pencil. With colored pencil, here are some of the characteristics. There's a few things involved. Pencil pressure makes a difference. The stroke that you're employing to make the marks on the on the paper or the, or the support you're using. The speed of the stroke. I can talk more about that in a moment. And the point of the pencil itself. How blunt or how sharp that point is. The angle on the pencil, the angle from the pencil to the paper. All those make a, a huge difference. So let's back up then again to pencil pressure. When you're laying down your maybe initial layer um, and you're using cotton paper, let's take, for instance, Stonehenge or something like that, something related to, you know, an all cotton paper. So you've got a very soft tooth that you're working with on the paper. And then you're talking about the pressure of that pencil. If you start out with sort of a medium type of pressure, if you're bearing down on the point of the pencil to the paper with some medium pressure, uh, then what will happen is you will flatten out some of that tooth very early on in the drawing process, and you might not ever be able to get it back. You might not be able to cover up some of the little white dots that you would leave where you've skipped over the tooth and the pencil has raked across the surface and has skipped some of the valleys and only reached the peaks. You know, the hills and the valleys, we usually refer to it when we're talking about tooth of the paper, the surface of the paper, that texture of the paper. And so that's one of the reasons why most of the time, we're going to use very, very light pressure, at least with our initial layer or few layers when we're drawing. Um, so in terms of pencil strokes with colored pencil, you can do a lot of different things. You can do sort of more shorter in length strokes, or you can do more of a circular motion. Some people like to do a little bit of a cross hatching approach. Um, not something that leaves very defined marks, but just in terms of how they're layering color. Um, there's really a lot of different ways that you can use colored pencil that way to get certain results and in terms of gradations or even just solid areas of color that are maybe more burnished. You have a lot of versatility with the type of stroke making you right. can make right. with um, with colored pencil, which is really interesting, I think, comparatively. I mean, graphite is maybe a little bit similar to that, but 
it's not um, for whatever reason. Maybe it's because of the wax base in the colored pencils. For a lot of it, it just feels it feels like a different type of um, result when you're doing sort of similar mark making. Yeah, when you compare it to graphite, it does make a big difference. And you know, talking about the stroke, I mean, even the the texture uh, of certain elements in your project, you can uh, create by just varying the stroke a little bit. So. I think it's very totally. versatile in that. Yeah. Regard. Yeah. And it's, I mean, exactly. If, I mean, the way you would lay a stroke down for something like, uh, you know, skin might be different than the way you do it for right. hair. So, um, you know, it, depending on, you know, your, your techniques and that sort of thing, you, you have a lot of, um, versatility with that specific tool to, to make, you know, different, um, different like you're saying textures look differently just based on how you're making your marks on your paper now before we um move on from pencil stroke i I do want to say that in my experience in teaching new beginner colored pencil artists if you come with a blank slate and you have not been creating art I think it's easier to teach someone how to make a linear stroke, how to just make a line with the pencil, and then you marry up that line with a brother or sister line right next to it. I can't say that with a straight face, but you you put another <laughs> line right next to it. Put a friend over there by the by the line you just created. Easy, Bob Ross. <laughs> right. <laughs> just a, a happy, happy little, little friend. friend right next to it. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then those two friends no anyway so you've got two <laughs> those two friends make a picture <laughs> right. but those two lines that you, you just keep creating lines right next to each other very tight hashing if you want to think of it that way but not a lot of space in between no space at all in fact and you just keep layering a whole bunch of lines next to each other I think that that gives you the most control. It's the easiest thing in the world to learn very early on. And I think it gives you more control and it gives you more versatility and you cover more area of the paper quicker than if you're using the little ovals that a lot of uh, teachers like to teach in colored pencil. I try to dissuade newer artists from using those little ovals. Now, there are certain times that you you can use those little ovals, but I think it's just hard harder to get a gradation and the right amount of coverage. And there's just a whole lot of reasons why I try to employ the linear stroke myself. And I teach that as well. That's a really great point to bring up because I think sometimes um, if your strokes are too varied, it can actually um, be a disservice right. to you and it can create it can create a, a, the illusion of a different type of texture than you're actually going for if you're not um, experienced enough to be able to control that. Um, I think, you know, what you're saying, just doing the linear stroke is is really important, especially for beginners, because I think, you know, as as you progress and as you get better, you'll you'll learn kind of what works for you through experimentation. Right. and that sort of thing but if you're coming right out of the gate new to it like trying to vary your strokes too much can actually be a really di- like a real disservice yeah and to it you. can be overwhelming as as odd as that may sound uh to think oh and i gotta do this stroke over here and this stroke over there and then with this i gotta do you yeah. you can use a linear stroke just that linear stroke that i just talked about for everything you can draw everything that way and it's so simple Anyone can learn it. A child can learn that. And if you just learn how to gradate 
the pressure and the stroke from total saturation of the paper. You know, you're saturating that paper with that particular pencil and then you're moving that pencil away from that area and you're lightening up your pressure, but you're keeping your stroke the same way, uh, linear stroke, you can create a gradation. You can create a shadow. You can, that can be anything that you want it to be. And you can create a whole project doing that very thing and not ever even changing from that. I mean, it's possible to do. You know, how quick do you taper that stroke from total saturation to the white of the paper? Or how slowly do you do it from total saturation to the white of the paper? Or any varying degree in between. Maybe you've you know, you're talking about a gradation within like maybe the cheek or something like that. Then you're not, you know, you're gradating it on both sides from white of the paper to more saturation and then back to white again. I mean, you can draw anything doing that. And that's one of the reasons why I think it's important to understand. Okay, what about the speed of the stroke? Now, that makes a difference because like we talked about with pencil pressure, if you rake the pencil across the paper too quickly, you're going to flatten out the tooth of the paper and that can limit some of the possibilities as you progress in your drawing. So keep that speed of the pencil very slow, not to the the point of molasses slow, you know, then if you turtle it, you're going to be forever on that project. But 12 years <laughs> exactly. later. Exactly. <laughs> but slow enough to where you maintain control and you're not flattening out the tooth of the paper. Yeah, I think speed is definitely um, an important thing to keep in mind, because I think for some people, speed and pressure are actually quite related. Um, yeah, and I think, again, as you were saying, you know, with people who are maybe a little bit newer to the medium, if they're going too fast, they lose I mean, control. if they're, you know, if they're in... Yeah, if they're in that fist grip with the pencil, it just, you know, it just, it's just asking for all kinds of trouble. But, um, but I think, yeah, I mean, sp speed of your stroke can definitely be, it can be a factor. And, um, um, you know, it's something you want to be very mindful of, again, with a medium that doesn't have a lot of flexibility in terms of how forgiving it is, if you make uh, a mistake, or if you are too heavy handed with it. Um, I mean, there's obviously ways to kind of get around some of that stuff with like, you know, um, spray fixatives that allow you to like add maybe a little bit of a layer back but i would say do not rely right. on those sort right. of things to um i mean again it's kind of going back to what we were talked about with pen right like you want to i i like to approach colored pencil the way i would with pen in the sense that even though colored pencil is erasable to, to yeah. some extent um i like to treat it like it's not so that i'm being a lot more deliberate with my pressure with my strokes with my mark right. making with the intention that I'm not going to be able to go back and erase it because the other thing is too if you're if you're going in there and you're doing a lot of light layers you don't want to have to go in and erase because you could actually potentially the problem with erasing with colored pencil as well is that um, you know, while there are really great erasers out there that allow you to be very precise with the area that you're erasing, you still have the potential of over erasing in areas that, um, you know, you don't want to take that color away. And then sometimes what will happen as well is, um, you know, depending on, on how heavy handed you were erasing even, it can leave almost like a weird patch in right. your drawing that is visible um, like there's always like, you know, if you've spent all this time doing this beautiful layering to get to a certain point, and then all of a sudden you have this one section that you've heavily erased in, um, it can be actually kind of difficult sometimes to get it to have that seamlessness again. No, that's a very good point. 
Yeah, it's something it's something you really want to be mindful of because, you know, you you may be able to hide it in a two-dimensional photo, but if you're selling originals, yeah. um something like that can be actually very apparent yes. uh, as a flaw if if you've done it in a way that um you like you may have erased your mistake, but it actually ends up being very obvious as a flaw in that spot. So no, I think that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, and a more effective way of handling most of the time, and a more effective way than erasing, is to layer, is to just live with that problem and layer, layer upon layer to get rid of it, or make everything else the same. So, And it depends on the level of the mistake you know, that you feel like you made. Totally. Sometimes you can just lift something off and it'll be you know, easily lifted off. But if you're going back to the tooth of the paper and you start to scrub in that area, yeah, you have the potential of creating a problem with the piece that uh, it's going to be hard to cover that up later on. So, yeah, I think I think that's a, an important uh, consideration when we're talking about the speed of the stroke then and we're talking about pencil pressure. I, I like what you said earlier. Those do go hand in hand uh, somewhat. I mean, because we, you'll notice when people start going very quickly, they're using this scrubbing motion back and forth, back and forth. They've got tick marks showing up. They've got. You know, these start and stop places where the stroke is going from one direction to the other. Mm-hmm. You start noticing this herky-jerky movement of the wrist or arm, and <laughs> it's not a smooth transition of, the, of the, the pencil in one spot. I mean, those are all bad warning signs. Slow down. Can you trademark that? Yeah. Herky-jerky. Yeah. And what, really what that means is it's time for you to walk away for a minute, you know? You're getting fed up with that area. You're getting impatient. And yeah. I think that's the that's the yeah. point, right? Is that the the faster that you're going, you're actually you're losing, losing control, control. Yeah. of 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 the consistency of your of your pressure. Yeah, exactly. And and that's a I think that's an important thing to keep in mind um, when we're talking about the right way to draw with color pencil or with any medium. You maintain control all the time, even if you're somebody saying, well, I like to be a little looser in what I that's fine. But you're still maintaining a level of control in that looseness. Hey, everyone. This is Barb Sotiropoulos. I'm really excited to tell you about my new book featuring the best of my Q&A articles from Colored Pencil Magazine. This book has some of my favorite art tips and advice, as well as full-page versions of some of my artwork. This is a great gift for yourself or an artist in your life. Visit the Colored Pencil Magazine shop or follow the link in the show notes to get your copy today. Right now, the book is also on for a special pre-order price, so don't miss out. Thanks for listening and on with the show. You know, you have to be in control of what you're doing a little bit. And when I see students just start using the scribbling type of approach or they start this herky-jerky thing where their scribbling just goes way outside of the area that they're wanting to uh, affect at that moment, then I know, one, they just need to be trained on how to slow down, how to use some controlled methods for uh, maintaining the pencil in one area. And the pressure of that pencil and the speed of the stroke, or they're just getting sick of it. They're getting fed up. They're getting irritated or overwhelmed or whatever, and they just need to take a break. 
I think that's a really great point to mention because I think I think that's that is exactly it. Like colored pencil, I mean, we we've said this so mm-hmm. many times, but colored pencil it's is so slow. slow. It is slow. And and yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, if you're at a point where you're just kind of rushing through an, a section just to get color coverage, um I think that is a really great uh, you know, indication that you either need a break or you need to just kind of like take a step back and um I think also what tends to happen in those those instances is if you know that about yourself, that's maybe where you also want to look at um, different solutions for coverage of larger areas, especially. So, for example, um, you know, like some people like to do a light layer and then use like an OMS or something like that to then blend in the rest of the color. And, you know, maybe that's something that works a little bit better for you. And then you're able to take the time um, on the more detailed um, parts of that piece and, yeah. and um, you know, do the smaller strokes. But I think especially when you're talking about larger areas of color, I think that's where a lot of beginner artists especially get very frustrated and they're like, oh, this is going to take forever. I just want to, like, get it all in there yeah. and cover it <laughs> get and whatever. Done with so. <laughs> Yeah, totally. So, I mean, you know, and this is where discovering what type of te- techniques for you really comes into play, I think. And, you know, the example, like I said, of using like an OMS or something like that to help fill in the tooth of the paper for that base color or whatever is, right. is you know, a potential solution. And, and understanding that about your process, because if that's where you're tripping yourself up every time, like when you're doing larger areas of color, like that could be something that, you know, maybe you need to consider or... Or whatever, or, you know, yeah, it's like, I mean, it, the name of the game is kind of patience a lot of the time, yeah. but uh, it, yeah, I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to be sacrificing the quality of your piece just because of that. And, and you know, patience is is definitely something that is, that is learned, I think, yeah. to some extent, especially when it comes, it comes to that sort of thing. And, you know, I, I just wanted to comment on something you said earlier as well about um, people saying, well, do I need to just start over? And I think so often um, artists are, you know, they're, they're, they just want to get to the end result so badly that, you know, they, they are rushing parts right. or, you know, alternatively, they're not going far enough with things like I can't tell you how many times I've like seen something where it's like, no, you're just you're like 50 percent there. Yeah. Like, yeah, you don't need to start over. You need to keep going. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's exactly. It's, it's not. E- yeah, it's like it's not even it's not even that you've done anything wrong. It's just that you haven't gone far. Enough. You haven't gone far. So, enough. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the sin I see more than anything else. The sin yes. of stopping too quickly or not way going too, far enough. Way too early. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so many, so many times I think, you know, I mean, a lot of the Facebook groups, you know, sometimes people will post, you know, work in progresses and that sort of thing. And, you know, they'll be like, oh, like, I'm not sure if I like where this is going. And I mean, you know, there's definitely that ugly phase that you need to get through. And I think that's what happens. People get to that ugly phase and they stop because they're like, oh, this is not going well. But yeah. it's like, no, you just, you got to push. The You're almost there. You just got to keep. Yeah. Going, you're you're almost there. You just gotta, yeah. just gotta break through. Right, right. They're yeah. almost there. Yeah, that's so totally. sad when that happens, for sure. So early on, I think we talked a little bit. And we're talking about how to hold the pencil, but talked a little bit about the point of the pencil, and we also talked about the angle of the pencil to the paper. So I don't want to really talk about that a whole lot here, but just to say that. Uh, the point of the pencil does matter, especially in colored pencil. Having that tiny, tiny point, uh, often in a traditional sense, I'm talking about with 
traditional colored pencil and cotton paper, then having that small point uh, does create more control for you, does make it a, a longer process, a longer medium, but having, you know, that ability to create saturation on the paper and then uh, the angle also helps with uh, you know, maintaining the proper pressure, maintaining the right stroke, and all of those things that Barb and I just talked about. One thing I do want to mention, though, before we go is that, you know, with colored pencil, one of the things, one of my favorite things about this medium, and this is my favorite medium, but one of the things I love about it is that it can mirror so many other mediums. And you can use it in the same way that you would like graphite or charcoal and pastel and things like that. You can make it more of a fluid medium. In fact, one of the the most recent um, portraits that I was working on, I did it on pastel mat. And I deliberately decided after doing some testing on some of the pastel mat with these pencils that I was going to take a more uh, fluid approach to it. I was going to be more intuitive in the way that I processed through the the project. And I used pretty hard pressure from the very beginning because pastel mat is a very rigid surface. The tooth is very rigid. It's a non-absorbent surface. The tooth isn't going anywhere. I'm not going to flatten anything out. And so what I found with that particular surfaces, if I didn't like something, I could just keep pressing really hard and I could change the direction of that tone or I could even change the hue back to a white or a light color. And so that that made it where I didn't have to think a whole lot about how I was progressing through it and being very careful and reserved about making my strokes, but I could be more intuitive. So it does have that flexibility built into it, depending on, you know, what surfaces you're going to be using. And I think the the key in that is that you had to change the surface you were working on exactly. as opposed to that being a quality of the pencil. Right. So that's, that's something also to keep in mind is that I think sometimes people think they're very handcuffed by what the pencil itself is capable of, but they're, they're obviously, you know, again, talking about creative problem solving. Yeah. It's like, if you find colored pencil is too slow working on traditional surfaces, I mean, you know, when you move to something like a, like a sanded paper or even for that matter, working yep. on wood, like right. it completely changes um, how that medium responds and what you're actually able to do with it. Yeah. And uh, I would even say that, you know, if somebody's talking about the differences in the pencils themselves, there's not a whole lot of differences in a professional no. brand pencil. There's not a whole lot of differences, people. And so what really makes a difference is some of the techniques that you use with any of those pencils. But then more importantly, what you just alluded to is the use of the, the uh, substrate, whatever the paper is, whatever the support is that you're drawing on, that makes a bigger difference than the pencils themselves. There's not a big difference in, you know, we're talking about luminance, polychromos, uh, Derwent Lightfast, and I could name a few others. There's not a huge, huge difference. You can create some of the same effects regardless of which of those pencil lines you're using. 
I think that's also the really great thing about colored pencil. And you just kind of said it a little bit was that, you know, you can, you can use this medium dry as it is yeah. and create amazing things, but you can also do things like use an OMS or like there's right. alcohol based blending pens that you can use or, you know, uh, you know, wax blenders or that sort yeah. of thing. Like you can use all these extra elements that you actually don't have the flexibility with some of the other mediums we talked about right. to do, um, you know, like you can't, there's nothing really you can add to pen necessarily to do that no. other than, you know, maybe water, water or something. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, graphite is the same way. Um, you know, you couldn't, I don't, I, as far as I know, I don't think you can use like an OMS with graphite and get the same kind of result. Like colored pencil, what I think is great about it is like you can use those other um, additional mediums with it are not mediums, but like solvents or, or, you know, additives or whatever yeah. that will help you get certain results very consistently. Whereas I feel like with those other mediums, if you were to try and do that, like there's, they're not, I don't know. I just feel like they don't play as well. They don't with, no, right. with added things. Like they're almost meant to be used as they are and like left that way right, <laughs> to right. some extent. Yeah, no like, doubt. And with colored pencil, you do have all those options. I mean, the list can go on and flexible. on other than OMS. Yeah. I mean, you can use a water-based, a water solvent soluble pencil totally. as well and you can use water but you can also spray layers and then go on top of layers uh, with yeah. other solvents on top of that you can use you can uh, burnish uh, th the list can go on and on yeah i just i think i think what it comes down to is colored pencil has a level of flexibility and yes. what you can do with it and add to it that some of the other mediums just don't not not as successfully for sure yeah well, this has been a very fun discussion. This was wrapping up the end of part two. So if you didn't hear part one, just go back to the previous episode. This has been a lot of fun, Barb. Uh, the right way to draw. Is there a white, right way to I nearly turned into Elmer Fudd there. Is there a white way to draw? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, is there a right way to draw? And, you know, there there are some right. There are some better choices to make when you're drawing in colored pencil. You know, I hope that we've highlighted some of those and we've kind of piqued your interest if you're new to the medium and helped you to understand just a little bit more about how to master and how to maintain control over this medium and to get better at your skill. So if you have something you would like to add to this discussion, you can always comment in the show notes, sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. You can reach out through email podcast at sharpenedartist.com. This is a weekly show. We'll talk to you again next week. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.